Hello, hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to my mommy's podcast. Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of Wabi Sabi Wellness. My name is Jeanette, and I'm so jazzed you have joined me here today. Today's episode is going to be an interview that I had with Alexandra Hayes Robinson, which I'm so excited to get into. But before we do, we're going to go over the moon transits, the astrology of the week, and the tarot card of the week. So we're going to start off with yesterday's moon transit, which was actually on Sunday, July 2nd at 12.20 p.m. Central Time. At this time, the moon shifted into Capricorn and is going to stay there until 12.30 p.m. on Tuesday, July 4th. While the moon is here, we're going to be feeling comforted by routine and structure. With this in mind, we do have that full moon on July 3rd, which will have us thinking about what part of our structure or routine needs to be changed or maybe gotten rid of to get us to the place we want to be. While the moon is here, you may feel drawn to busy work or doing tasks that surround organization. So I would say take advantage of this energy. The next transit we're going to talk about happens on Tuesday, July 4th at 12.30 p.m. Central Time, where the moon will shift into Aquarius and stay there until 12.33 p.m. on Thursday, July 6th. While the moon is here, you might want to spend some time on your own. With the sun in Cancer and moon in Aquarius, this is a great time for you to process your emotions. You might take yourself out for a coffee trip or go for a long walk on your own. You might also just feel this pull to be mentally stimulated, so maybe pick up a book on a hobby you've been considering or just spend some time on that hobby. On Thursday, July 6th at 12.33 p.m. Central, the moon will then shift into Pisces and stay there until 2.19 p.m. on Saturday, July 8th. I love the combo of the moon in Pisces and sun in Cancer because it has our intuition truly waking up. This might feel like a very emotional transit, but that's totally okay. You might want to spend some time journaling and contemplating your emotions. Allow yourself flexibility. So I would say try not to plan out specific activities in advance if you can, but go ahead and do what you feel like emotionally most attuned to do during those days. Sorry, that sentence was confusing. It can give you some really great intuitive downloads about what to do next. Speaking of those downloads, the next transit is on Saturday, July 8th at 2.19 p.m. Central, where the moon will shift into Aries and stay there until 6.56 p.m. on Monday, July 10th. This is the ideal time to take those downloads from the previous transit and apply them. We get a lot of energy from the moon in Aries to get things started, whether that's a passion project or putting in applications for a job. So use this energy to get things going and get some projects started on your list. In terms of the astrology of the week, there's a lot of inspiration and time for connection with others. The only day that's a little bit funky this week is Thursday because of Mars. We do have that full moon in Capricorn on Monday, which can give us insight into our career, as well as some routine changes that might be coming up. Tuesday for 4th of July, if you're in the US, has really great astrology for close relationships, so have a barbecue, invite people over. And Friday's very productive, especially in relation to our careers. The very last thing before we get into this interview is the tarot card of the week. And this week I have pulled the two of pentacles for us. The two of pentacles is asking us about our balance. So this week I want you to think about your life, think about your week, look at your Google calendar or your planner or however you organize yourself and think about what you could have said no to to give yourself a little more balance. Okay, without further ado, let's do this thing and listen to the interview with Alexandra Hayes Robinson. I hope you all enjoyed as much as I enjoyed recording it for you all. Okay, so everyone, I have Alexandra Hayes Robinson on the line right now. So, so excited. Um, I'm going to start off very vague and just see where this takes us. But who are you and what do you do? Mm, this question always makes me so anxious in social settings and I'm prepared for it now, but I still, it's funny, even hearing you say it, I felt that similar, like anxiety response when you're at a party and someone's like, what do you do? And I'm 
even when I had a traditional job, I never knew what to say. Um, and I always wished that I worked at a place like Netflix or Facebook, because when you say you work at Netflix or Facebook, people are immediately impressed and they know exactly what you mean. But I've always done things that required what felt like an explanation. Um, and here I go explaining when I could just answer simply. So I am a writer and a content creator, and that is a new journey for me. Um, I was formerly a teacher, and then I worked in the media space, and I quit my full-time job in December and started doing some freelance, started working with some former clients, doing freelance work because I, you know, had this ambition to start making content and to become an author. And that is slowly starting to happen, it seems. That's, I love that explanation of who you are. That makes a lot of sense. And um, for anyone who does follow you, you've, you've talked a lot about this like imposter syndrome or not, maybe not imposter syndrome, but like that, that feeling of like, what do I say I do? Um, and it's real, it's real. So, okay, I wanna talk. So we both, I met you IRL in Israel when we were on the bougiest trip of my life. Um, it, it truly, it truly was. <laughs> it, and I feel like when people think of like Israel trips, they think of um, like birthright, which I think still has some bougie elements, but ours truly was elite. <laughs> I went on birthright the year before I went on reality and I'm so glad I did it in that order because I think that birthright would have been such a disappointment in yeah. terms of like oh, totally. <laughs> um but we both were on that trip because we did TFA and we both are now in drastically different fields so what guided you through these career changes that you've made mm. when did you decide to stop teaching and then when did you decide to stop your full-time stuff so I there's a like a common thread that I can see now at 30, like looking over the eight years that I wasn't, that I was working a more traditional job and the common thread. And I see it even when I think about being in high school and being in college, when I really struggled, like I wasn't a good student, which people might be surprised to hear is that I always felt like I wasn't, I was close to doing what I was supposed to do, but I always felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I am a person who really throws 150% of myself into what it is I'm doing, which is a wonderful quality. And it has often driven me to burnout and to resentment towards the person for whom I am building something for. So with teaching, I, in, I, I went to University of Michigan and I studied fine art, social work, and creative writing. And Undergrad is when I became, you know, super interested in like my identity as an activist and I volunteered a lot and I loved working with kids. And that's kind of what led me down the, the TFA route, um, which is a whole other, whole other thing to talk about. But I think teaching, I threw myself into it. I was very good at it. The things that made me a good teacher, I think, are the things that are making me successful in this line of work. But I was, I became so deeply burned out. I was commuting. I did this to myself, but I lived an hour away from the school that I was working at. So I was getting up, I was getting up at, you know, 530 every day to take an hour subway. And I recognize that lots of people have to do that and don't have the choice to not do that. And I'm very lucky that I could change my life in a way where I didn't need to do that anymore. But the, the commute and the pressure I was putting on myself drove me to a point where I felt sick. Like I felt ill 
and it was impacting the way I was showing up with kids. So that was, that was my aha moment. Like you need to do something different. So I started, I started networking my ass off. Like, how do you go from being a teacher to working in media? You figure out for, for me, I thought about everybody who I knew, you know, I applied cold. I reached out to people on LinkedIn who also went to Michigan. I, you know, was, I was actually just looking through my LinkedIn messages a little while ago to try to find someone. And I saw like, I had been messaging people who work at Scholastic. Like I was really just putting out feelers everywhere. I had no idea what I wanted. And somebody I went to high school with ultimately connected me with someone's older sibling who worked at this company that I ended up going to Thrive Global. And I started as an intern there and kind of worked my way up. Um, and that's how I got my beginning in media. This was a really long answer to your question. I love it. And I think you're, everyone who follows you is going to love it too, because it's really thorough. And that's what I love about podcasting is you can come and give the long form story that you have. I love it. I love it. I don't have to like be making sure that my 60 seconds aren't up. Yeah. But I, I, the thread really in all of my jobs that led me here was that I would drive myself to a point of burnout. And I say drive myself and by that, I mean, burnout is a structural, I know burnout is a, like a structural systemic phenomena and it is a result of like systems and, and in my experience, it's like something I've done to myself and it's something I've, how do I explain this? I can see that I have contributed to my own burnout mm -hmm. just as this, the, the places I've worked have contributed to my burnout. And now that I work for myself and I'm making content, I'm at risk of the exact same thing, but it does feel better that I'm not, I feel so much better and more aligned with myself that I'm not just building other people's things for them. That was starting to really get at me that I felt like I was putting 150% of myself into building other people's dreams for them, which again, that's what having a job is, Hayes. Like that's what having a job is, get over yourself. But it wasn't working for me. So I made a change. And I love that. And I think that there's a lot of people who are probably in the same area as you. And I know I have a lot of friends who are like, I hate what I do, but I'm not going to do something about it. And you just, you did the damn thing. I did the damn thing. And I planned, I mean, I didn't, I wanted to quit my job. I had the feeling of, I want to quit. I want to do something else months before I actually did, because mm -hmm. I went, I remember sitting with my husband we moved to California from New York or sorry, we moved to California from New York about a year and a half ago. And we've made friends here, but we don't have so many people here. So Brian has really in the beginning of this transition, he bore the brunt of a lot of my like pain and talking about this. And I remember saying to him, I just want to quit. And I really wanted him to tell me, you can just quit. Don't worry. I got your back. It's going to be okay. Just quit and I'll take care of you. And that's not what he said. He's like, you can quit, but you need a plan. We need to make a plan. You can't quit with no income. And that, I, I'm not sure. I think it, 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 like what I wanted, it triggered this like maybe childhood feeling of like, we all just want to be taken care of. We all just want someone to tell us, don't worry. It's okay. You can let it, you can drop everything. And I'm just going to carry you. I just got it. And I'm so glad he didn't say that. I'm glad that I'm glad that I had to figure it out and I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. Um, can I astrologically explain to you why you are so prone to burnout? Please. 
it's your Virgo rising. We both have it. And I find that a lot of teachers are Virgo risings. So your Virgo rising, your rising sign is kind of like how you approach life. What, how do you do the damn thing? Right. And we're both Virgo risings, very detail oriented people, people who can be almost like it's a pro and a con because it's very perfectionist energy, which is great because like you put out quality, whatever you do, but it's also bad because you were so, so hard on yourself. And that's, it's like this thing that you have to figure out, how can I use it to my advantage without it taking over me? Mm, Yes. Yes, exactly. And I don't think I've, I don't think I've totally figured that. I don't think I've totally figured that out yet. It's definitely easier that no one now is telling me what to do because I feel like this, this Virgo rising energy can easily be perhaps can easily be taken. People can easily take advantage of it. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Um, and I think that this is actually a great move for you because with the combination of being a sun Aries, so you have this energy to get projects started and then you're rising being in Virgo, like you can do what you want with the projects that you care about versus like what everyone else is telling you to do. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that you're right. I think I have a very much, like I have a abundance mindset when it comes to what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think I can do anything. But I know that I'll talk to people. It doesn't mean that I think I can do everything successfully, but I don't have, I, I don't think any of my ideas are off limits, but then I'll talk to some people who are like, I don't even think about those types of things because I just really focus on what I am a hundred percent sure is possible. Oh, for sure. I, I feel you. And I think sometimes I'm so annoying to people because, you know, I left teaching too, and my full time is in finance. And this is my little side passion project. And people come to me and they're like, I'm sad. I'm like, just do something. And they're like, it's not that easy. And I'm like, what do you mean? Just believe in yourself. And it's this like weird dichotomy of, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, okay. Diving further into your astrology. So Saturn return for you, uh, kind of just happened. So yours was in Aquarius Saturn return, um, for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know is your astrological puberty. And typically it happens two to three times in your lifetime, every 30 ish years, 27 to 30 years. And Saturn is the teacher planet. So for you, Saturn sits in your sixth house, which signifies a lot of change for you in that time in work routine and sometimes health. So yours was from December 17th of 2020 through March 7th of 2023. So it very recently wrapped up. And it's this area where like in those three years, there's just so much change. So I'm just curious for you, thinking back to December 2020 through March of 2023, what changed for you, especially in work, health, routine, like your day-to-day life? Like everything. Like those (laughs) were like the most major three years of my life. Um, I... So December, 2020, I had, I had just gotten married. Brian and I had just gotten married. We started to think really seriously about leaving New York and moving across the country for an adventure. People are always like, why did you move? And like for an adventure, that is, that is the reason why. Um, And that was a major life change. I quit my, I had two job transitions in that period of time. I quit my job. um, I was a content director at Thrive Global. I was working for Ariana Huffington. That was my job after teaching. And I was there for four years. And that was a shock to a lot of people at the time. But I had a new opportunity at this other company. And it was a lot more money and more responsibility. And I was just down to do it. 
and I did it. And I ended up leaving that job within a, a year for, for what I'm doing now. So I think those, this period of three years was a lot of turnover for me now that I'm thinking about it through this mm -hmm. lens and really hyper-focusing on what I actually want my life to look like. Like I, I was like, you want to be, I was climbing the corporate ladder. Like I, I was really like being a boss. Mm -hmm. I put boss in quotes, like I want to like lead a team and, you know, be a CEO and like be super corporate and impressive and work at a place where everyone immediately knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but oh my gosh, that is, that's so, that feels so inauthentic to me now. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like, I think these three years I've done a lot of just figuring out how I actually want to live instead of just living the way that everybody's told me I should. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you were living a life that on paper was like fantastic. And wow, like, I mean, Ariana Huffington, like, I know stuff, you know, I know, I, I know, I know. But I felt really, I, I don't want to say that I wasn't happy because there are moments that I was happy, but I am so much happier now. And healthy. I'm so much healthier now. That's amazing. And I, I just want to point out that you did exactly what you should have done during that three-year period. And there are some people who I asked them about their Saturn return and not much changed. But you took that energy, even not knowing it was your Saturn return, and ran with it. And you're on the other side now and so much happier for it. So go you. <laughs> Thank you. I think, I think actually I'm pretty good at recognizing the signs in my body that are telling me I need to do something different. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I do not ignore feelings. It's I'm hearing you kind of say, hearing you say it like that is making me realize that I'm, I'm pretty good at that. If this was like, if that was a text message, I would have like emphasized that. Like, I love that you do not ignore your feelings. And I think that in our society, in our culture, feelings are kind of looked at as like a second thought or like, you know, just something that happens versus I feel like you looked at your feelings and took them in and decided to act on them. And I think that's what's going to be like the greatest thing about you is that you listen to that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So speaking of where you've gone, so I want to talk about Hello Hayes. How was this birthed? And was it birthed as an advice giving platform for you at first? Or what was your what was your no. game plan here? I had no game plan when I started. I think I think that uh, some people, myself, or I'll speak about myself, I knew that I, building a game plan would be a procrastination tool for me. I think people can spend so long coming up with their roadmap and their logo and their strategy that they don't actually do. So I decided not to do any of that and instead just start making video content. And I knew that I wanted to experiment with TikTok because I saw a lot of potential for growth there. I had done some video, like I had done on-camera work in my job at Thrive. I knew I was good on camera. Like I just, I felt like that's where I should start. So I just kind of started, I just kind of started making stuff. And if you scroll all the way back, you'll see that I was like, I was, I was trying what other people were doing. You know, I was looking at creators that I love and trying to kind of mimic their format in my way, just as a way to teach myself. 
Um, I think when we're all learning something, we copy, you know, you, you learn to play piano, you're playing someone else's music and slowly you'll start to add your own spin. If you want to write your own music, you know, uh, and then, so I started making content in December of 2022 and I wasn't making content every day then, but I was making it a few times a week. And my first, I had a video kind of pop off in December, pop off. It got like 300,000 views, which is still, I, I'm still very happy when a video gets 300,000 views, but most of my videos were getting like 300 views. So that was really, that was really, really cool. And it was just telling a story about how after three years of dating, I was ready to move in with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, but he wasn't ready to move in with me. And people really, like that story really resonated with people. Um, it also attracted lots of internet trolls, which was a, another interesting experience for me. But that, when that happened, I like put on my data brain and it made me realize like, hmm, why do people like this story? They like the story because it provides them with a new way of thinking about something that like the social media rhetoric has declared a red flag. It is a red flag if someone isn't ready to move in with you after three years of dating. And I was providing another option, which is that maybe it's not, maybe it's a red flag. Maybe it's a sign that this person isn't for you, or maybe they're just not ready. And maybe that's okay. Maybe it's okay if you're 24 and 25 and you're not ready to move in together yet. So I started to think more of what other stories from in my life can I tell about that have that similar vibe, like mm -hmm. that I can provide a new perspective on something that everyone has really strong opinions about or makes them feel self-conscious. So I started kind of running with that, um, but still fumbling around and like trying to do get ready with me is and like just co copying things, like trying to figure out what works. And then I have a friend, um, Stephanie, her name is Stephanie Harrison, and she runs the new happy Instagram account. She runs it, but she's also, you know, the writer and the designer and the, she's, she's absolutely brilliant. We used to work together at Thrive and she's become like my work bestie, even though we don't work together, we both are on kind of similar journeys. Um, she's many besties to me and my bestie theory, but I'll call her my work bestie for right now. And I, we were talking about how did this come up? We were talking about an interesting email that she had gotten and we were working through how she could respond to this email. And I gave her a template or I gave her an idea of how I'd respond. And she's like, you know, you're really good at this. Like this would make an awesome idea for a TikTok. And I ran with that. I forget how the first person, maybe someone had sent me a question for advice just naturally as a result of since I was telling stories um, so I think I took someone's question and like put it into conversation with Hayes format or me. I don't remember actually how I, no, no, no. What it was is that I made a video being like, I'm going to start this new series where you write to me with a situation and I help you figure out what to say. And slowly, maybe I got 10 responses or five responses. And then this series was born where people write to me and I give them a script. And then it evolved from there. And Stephanie, again, because she's my work bestie and we talk all the time about how we want to grow our businesses and visions. Um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm a writer. I want to be an author. One of my big goals is to write a book and I have a novel that I, that I've shelved right now so that I can follow this momentum of Paulo Hayes. But we were talking because I was feeling sad that I wasn't writing so much. And I was just putting all my time into making videos. And she's like, what if you, this was in March. She said, what if you like, have you thought, stop, but have you thought about starting a Substack? 
an advice column. And it's funny because like two weeks before my mom had emailed me a link to Substack being like, have you thought about starting this? And I was like, no, mom, I can only focus on one thing at once. Why are you stressing me out? I'll focus on like, I can't, I'm, I'm doing so much mom. But then when Stephanie says that, I'm like, you know what? Great idea. And two weeks later, I started my, I started my column on Substack and I had just chosen someone had, you know, sent me a note for advice. I, I used their letter as the first letter for my long, for my long read, my, for my long column. And then I came to TikTok and I read it out loud and I did an eight minute video, which was so long. And that video got like 300,000 views, three or 400,000 views. Um, and from there, I just realized like, oh, there's something really special here where people are writing to me and like entrusting me with like, they're really, they're personal things. And I just kind of kept going in that direction because it satisfied, it satisfied a lot of my interests in like talking about my background as an artist, social worker, teacher, writer, like this work really satisfies a lot of that. Like I see my column as art more than like, I'm not a life coach or a therapist. Like it's a storytelling artistic tool. Um, but it also like the social work teachy angle is there. What made me a great teacher is also what makes me, um, I think super skilled at being able to read somebody's letter and like really seeing things that they need or that they said in a way that maybe somebody else couldn't. And I've just kind of, it's it it was working and it was making me feel good and it was resonating with other people. So then I've just kind of doubled down, doubled down on that. And it's over the last uh, month in particular, it's kind of started to explode more. I, I got goosebumps as you were talking and just like hearing you smile and know that this is your creation and it's not like you're creating for somebody else who gets to put their name on it. It's like all yours. It's your baby. And like that makes me think about that card that I pulled for you at the beginning of the Empress and just this, this creation. It's yours. And ugh, I love it so much. Thank you so much. And it's, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. And in my last, I've always wanted to do an advice column. Like I have this memory when I was working at Thrive of walking down Houston Street in New York City, because I lived on Houston and my job was on Houston. So every day I'd walk back and forth. And I remember just thinking, I want to start an advice column, but I have no idea how to do it. And I thought maybe I'll do it on my Instagram, but I never did because who who, who do you think you are, Hayes, to start your own advice column? And I remember I brought it up in jobs. I'm like, maybe our newsletter, you know, I'd be managing a newsletter for a company. Maybe we should have an advice column here. And people always say to me, no one's interested in that anymore. That's such old news. That's so old fashioned. And then here we are, here we are. And I feel like I am kind of reinvigorating the advice column. You absolutely are. And like, I, I mean, I followed you on Instagram before it was Hello Hayes. I followed it when you were just Alexandra posting pictures about like your life. <laughs> and it's yeah. been so fun to like watch it pop off like this. And I'm so excited to see where it goes. Um, yeah, just a little fangirl moment just to see how amazing. Thank you. you I like, appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about some of these pieces that you've done for Hello Hey. So I think everyone who is watching, listening, whatever you do with a podcast um, has a favorite. So mine so far has definitely been the poppy question. Um, 
And the way that you answered that was fantastic. And also the one where you answer about how to break up with a friend. Cause I think that's so, both of those are so real. Those are such real questions. What question has been the most memorable for you to answer? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Oh my goodness. What a hard, what a hard question. <laughs> uh, nothing is coming up immediately. And I think nothing is coming up immediately. Uh, hmm. Or maybe let me rephrase this into a question of like, what was one that you answered that you didn't think everyone was going to relate to as much as they did and became one that was so relevant to so many people. I was really surprised, excuse me. I was really surprised my second newsletter ever was a letter from someone who has been with their partner for a long time, but he, she, she's like an outgoing spirit and wants to travel the world and has been working since she was very young and her partner, she described as someone who like cannot, will not leave the house. And she doesn't disclose that he has any sort of um, mental health challenge or handicap or, or, or anything, but perhaps, perhaps there's something there. And I wrote her a letter back about how to navigate that and about loving someone, but how you can love someone and how they cannot be the right person for you. And the challenge of being with someone who you feel is holding you back in some way. And it's not a criticism of that other person. Sometimes people just aren't compatible. And that video, that was like a nine minute video that got over a million views. And that was one of my first big, I think, you know, I had 20,000 followers from that video. I was really surprised by that. I was surprised that I was holding people's attention for that long. I was surprised that people were resonating with my writing, but then I'm not surprised because I think that that is such a real thing. Like sometimes we fall in love with people and drew, truly do love them, but they are not right for us and the life we want to live. And how painful is that? How painful is that when you care about someone and you don't want to abandon them, but you feel in your gut that you're not compatible? Yeah. That's like, oh my gosh, the, the pain of that. And I could relate to that. So I think I was surprised by, I was surprised by that. And then there's some funny ones, like the, something that really resonated with people was, how do I tell my friend that she can't stay with me when she comes to visit? Like you live in New York city and your friend is going to come and she just assumes she can stay in your one bedroom on the couch. How do you address that? Stuff like that always kind of makes me makes me laugh. I'm surprised in general by how many friend breakup questions I get to your point about saying that that resonates with you. I'm surprised. I still am surprised by the volume I get in that area because I don't really understand it. I think honestly. Yeah. I think that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, especially in my twenties. Cause you know, you, you graduate college and everyone's on the same field, you know, and then you get to 23 and some people are married, some people have kids and it's just like this whole thing. And you're not, the, what you're getting from your friendship when you're 20 is not the same thing you're getting when you're 23 or 25 or 27. 
And I think people feel bad about breaking ties because of longevity purposes. But I love the way you answer those questions. You talk about how, like, you don't have to kill the friendship completely. They can just become a different type of friend. Different type of friend. And it's always surprising to me that people, that that so many people's instinct is to do the, like, intense, aggressive version of a shift instead of just something subtle. And I, I think that part of it could be because they are friends with people who can't do that. So who can't pick up on cues. Like I can, I can pick up on cues. I know naturally when friendships are just kind of shifting and when, when things are happening and then I just allow them to happen and it doesn't, but I suppose that people are friends with people who can't do that. And if they can't do that, and everyone, everyone is just explosive all of the time. Like I can notice that my friend, that I haven't talked to my friend in three weeks and not ask my friend why we haven't talked in three weeks. Like I know why life is busy. It isn't personal, but it's surprise. It truly, it does surprise me that so many people have questions about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's something that a lot of people that I've talked to lately have been talking about or thinking about. So yeah, I love that. Um, speaking of friendship, there's a theory that you have talked about in quite great detail that lots of people love and you're smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. So tell me where this came from and what the besties are. Okay. So the, my, the, the, it's so funny because people are asking me so many questions about my six besties theory. And it's like just a fun thing that that I made up based on real experience, Mm -hmm. but people's questions now are are prompting me to think about it in like a more deeply philosophical way, which is so interesting. But my six besties theory was something that I made up in December. Um, and that's when I actually made the first six besties video. And it's so funny because I made it and it was successful. People really liked it. I think I had 80,000 views. And this is when I had, you know, I had 3000 followers maybe. And my husband loved this idea. He loved the video. He's like, you should do a deep dive on all of the besties. And I was like, eh, later, later, later. And then I did them this week. And yeah, what, what's happened has happened. So the six besties, the six besties theory, I articulated when I was thinking about how I've maintained such lovely friendships in my life. And the fundamental belief behind it is that you have different friends for different purposes. And you cannot expect one friend to be everything you need in a friend in life. And I feel that way about my partner too. Like Brian is everything for me, but I also need friends to talk about work with because Brian can't bear the entire burden of all of my stress about work. But the six besties theory is like sometimes, and I'll get questions all the time about you know, my friend isn't deep enough or my friend doesn't like to go out and how do I confront her about this? Like, instead of expecting our friends to be everything, if we can just really understand what they are and what what unique gift they provide us and stop expecting or demanding that they be everything, then we can just stop feeling so disappointed all the time. I feel like the root of a lot of disappointment is like miscommunication or... What's the opposite of clarity, like fogginess or just not understanding what certain people are capable of. Um, So the six besties are 
the North Star bestie, which is the person who just like makes you feel like more like yourself every time you talk to them. And a North Star bestie can be someone you've known forever, but it could also be somebody that you met recently and someone you don't even talk to that much, but just someone who always knows what to say, even when they're not saying anything at all. There's what I call, what I was calling your OG bestie, your original bestie, but then someone, speaking of comments, there were two comments on that video that said that that they felt that that was appropriation, me using the term OG. So I'm going to call it original bestie. So the original bestie, which is the person who you grew up with and maybe was your neighbor growing up and you were best friends from childhood, but now you don't really stay in touch anymore, but you know that they still hold a really special place in your life. Um, and it's important to it's important to distinguish the original bestie because if you can recognize that they're an original bestie, we will always have something special. They will always be there for me and they always they know my stuff. I don't ever have to explain anything to them because they were there when all my things happened. But it's okay if you don't talk to them all the time. It doesn't mean that your friendship is broken or, or is invalid. It's just they're, they're an original bestie. Sometimes your original bestie is your North Star bestie, but if they're not, that's okay. There's your work bestie, which is the person at work. You know, we all need a work bestie. I think it's a survival tool. Mm -hmm. There's your good time bestie, who's the person who you love, who's just like a good time. And the good time bestie, I think sometimes gets a bad reputation, but the good time bestie, I'm not referring to her as being toxic or irresponsible, but sometimes a good time bestie might lack the depth of a North Star bestie. And you shouldn't expect that of your good time bestie. If the good time bestie is also North Star, Amazing, but it's okay if they're not. Um, and then there's this last one, which I was calling the similar ambition bestie, but now I have a new name and it's the um, the seasonal bestie. And you can interpret seasonal to be literal. Like if you're my mother, your seasonal bestie is your bestie when you're in Florida for the winter, or you can interpret season as like the season of life you're in. Maybe you're a new mom. And your seasonal bestie are going to be new moms. Maybe you're training to become a yoga teacher and your seasonal bestie is the one who's doing that with you. Maybe it's the person who's in your writing class or just someone who's in the same season as you and is focusing on the same things. I think it's important to have that bestie too. And when you have all these different besties, you then you're like, you have all these different tentacles and you know who to go to for different things. And you're not expecting everything from one person. I love it. I love it so much. It makes so much sense. <laughs> but then again, that's why Hello Haze is popping off because you make content that makes sense and is relatable. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited that it's that that's resonating with people. Somebody was like, you should write a children's book about this. And I think that that was like, okay, new career goal unlocked. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Now I'm like, definitely... do I have to patent this? Like, how do I this is a whole type of side of the business that I'm so unfamiliar with. So like when something like this happens. And it's like, what do I do with this now? Like now that I have all these terms, am I supposed to trademark them? Am I supposed to like, what am I supposed to do with them? I have no idea. And that's why I need a manager. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. My uh, solution to this so far has just been sweeping it under the rug and making that a tomorrow problem. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a tomorrow haze problem. Um, I love that theory so much. Um, and you do have videos about all of those in detail, right? Yes. Amazing. Okay. So 
I want to talk about something else that you've created content about. And I remember this was, a, I think you had published it as like a story on your Instagram that I saw that I was like, holy shit, this is a great, this is amazing. And it was a video of you, I think eating, it was like a sandwich, it was something like carb heavy. And it was like this dialogue between you and younger you. And something mm-hmm. we both have dealt with is disordered eating. And I think a lot of people probably listening in some way, shape or form have dealt with that. So. Mm-hmm you are at a place now where you can eat what you want and that's amazing can you talk about that journey for yourself if you don't mind yeah so i think i struggled with disorder i struggled with disordered eating before i struggled with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and i don't know the i'm not a doctor and i'm not gonna i don't know that actual clinical term but there's disordered eating which i think lots of people struggle with um which is not an eating disorder. And then there's eating disorders, which are a clinical diagnosis. And I have struggled with both. So, I, I mean, my disordered eating started in middle school. Like I, I started as early as I can remember being very conscious of what I ate, use controlling what I ate as a way to control myself, to punish myself, to feel good about myself, whether I was going to, I've always, I, I had done that for a long time. Um, And then in college, I developed an eating disorder. I had bulimia and that started, that began hmm, my sophomore year when I was living in my sorority house. Living in my sorority house was very bad for me in that way. But my eating disorder, I see my eating disorder as like a manifestation of like the depression and anxiety and like unresolved issues that I had just from my life up until that point. Like I, I struggled with self-harm and just general self-sabotaging behaviors all through high school and through college. And the eating disorder was sort of just like an additional way that I was sabotaging myself. Um, and it was, I mean, it became serious, of course. The thing about an eating disorder is that it takes on a life of its own. So while maybe it began just as another way to fuck up my life, it became a serious problem. You know, I wasn't able to, I had a trip with a, a trip to Paris with my grandmother that year that we had to cancel because I, my doctor wouldn't allow me to go. I didn't go abroad because I needed to be at school to be seeing my therapist. And the... I think I, I I was lucky that I had an unbelievable therapist. Like, I think that therapy at that time, people weren't talking about therapy the way they're talking about it now. Like I was going to therapy four times a week, almost all throughout college. I was going probably between two and four times a week from my sophomore to my senior year. And his name was Dr. Raiden. And he makes me emotional to even think about him. Like he helped me learn how to not act on every feeling I have, which is funny because we were talking about how good I am at listening to my feelings before. That's because I've always been so in touch with my feelings, but I haven't always known how to respond to them in a healthy way. And I think when I was young, I felt like none of my pain none of my like internal pain that I was feeling about my life and just everything, none of it was worth paying attention to unless I was really sick, unless there was something really wrong with me that you couldn't ignore it. And that is why 
I was always, that's part of why I was always acting out. And that's how the eating disorder started. Um, even with insurance, like my, I remember my therapist before the eating disorder began, he was recommending that I was coming in twice a week instead of once. And insurance wouldn't even, insurance wouldn't pay for it unless we could prove that I was like sick enough and needed it. And that logic, what does that do to a young person who's trying to get better, but you're simultaneously telling her that in order to get more help, she needs to prove that she's sicker. So I sort of was stuck in this cycle of like, I want to be better, but people only take me seriously if I'm sick. And how do you, how do you step off that loop? So my journey with food was like, I mean, I had a lot of professional help. I was seeing a nutritionist and I remember my nutritionist, I couldn't believe at the time that I could eat a sandwich every day and not gain weight. Like you can eat a sandwich every day and not gain weight. Like you can, I didn't believe that then. Now my brain doesn't think like this at all. I have a sandwich. I have a, I mean, I eat sandwiches all the time. Like I don't, I don't think that way anymore, but it's, it's, it was a very conscious effort. Um, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of professional help. And then, um, a lot of self-awareness knowing when, excuse me, I don't really struggle. I don't struggle so much with this anymore, but every now and then I do still struggle with looking at myself and sometimes thinking like, oh my God, like, is that what you look like? That happens to me every now and then. And um, it's just, it's, it's about, I guess I, what did I call it in my newsletter? It's like the, my underworld. Like it's like the, the, the eating disorder or the disordered eating is like a monster and it's a monster that lives within us, but it lives within us in this place called the underworld. And I, sometimes when I walk by myself in the mirror and I think I I'm having a distorted image of myself, or I think I look ugly or terrible or gigantic or whatever the mean word is that I'm using to describe myself. Um, I'm like, oh, that's the underworld. Like you're not in your real world right now. Like you're stuck in the upside down. And sometimes just acknowledging it as such, acknowledging it as, oh, I see that it looks like this, but this isn't real. That helps me snap out of it or not snap out of it, but it helps me not make impulsive decisions. I love it. I love that. Um, I would say you're probably farther on, farther along on yours because I definitely still track my calories. And like, it's something that I, and I, you know, I tell myself I do it so that I make sure that I eat enough, but like low key, I know I'm doing it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you got to stop doing that. Like it's, it's the same. Like I don't, I haven't weighed my, I have no idea how much I weigh. I have not stepped on a scale since I was 21 years old or I haven't looked, I have, I have stepped on a scale, but I haven't looked at how much I weigh since I was 21 and I never get on a scale. We don't have a scale in our house. Um, I will never have a scale in my house. Uh, but in the beginning of my, I'm not weighing myself journey. I was always, I'm always tempted when I walk into someone else's bathroom and there's a scale there. And every time I see one, truly, I have a moment with myself where I'm like, are you going to do this? Are you going to fuck up everything that you've worked so hard for? Don't get on the scale. And I don't now, I don't. Because whether you're counting calories or getting on the scale, like there's no need to do any of that unless you have a doctor who's telling you that you need to. Mm -hmm. Um you don't need to do it. And doing it for me would just be a way, like you said, like I, uh, it would just be a way to trick myself into thinking I was doing the right thing, but really I'm just 
controlling myself in a, it's just another form of negative control. Yeah. And as fellow Virgo Risings, we have a complicated <laughs> relationship with control. Yes, we do. <laughs> Thank you for speaking about that. I think that's yeah. something that not just like you and I struggle with, but I think so many people do. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, switching topics a bit, maybe just something a little cheerier. I want to talk about your astrology a little bit. Um, so when I was pulling up your chart, I like to like make hypotheses in my head about what I'm going to see based on what I know about a person before I pull up their chart. And I, I imagine what your midheaven was, and we'll talk about that after. But the other thing I was curious about was Mercury and Mercury in astrology is the communication planet. You know, when Mercury goes retrograde, everyone's like, shit, like communication's fucked up. Um, so I was curious where yours sits because you're so good at communication. Like your jobs, all of your jobs have been very communication heavy, whether they're teaching or working at Thrive mm -hmm. or what you're doing now. So it was interesting to me to see that your Mercury sits in your seventh house and in the sign of Pisces. So for those who that does not mean anything, but that like means me. that. <laughs> so your seventh house is the house that rules your one-to-one -one relationships, which makes sense why your communication is so like openly received to people feeling like you're talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and with it sitting in Pisces, Pisces is the 12th sign, the final sign of the Zodiac. So it's a sign of a lot of wisdom. It's a sign of intuition. It's a sign of like, I like to think of like grandmotherly, almost like advice and just like, this like wisdom that you've lived a few decades or a few, not decades, like a few lifetimes, um, very intuitive. So my question, I suppose, is do you feel like it's as easy for you to communicate about difficult things in your own life as it is to give advice to others? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, yes. A billion percent. I don't. Yes. I mean, sometimes I, there are things that I'm like, oh, this is a little awkward. Like, what's the best way to address this? But I'm, I also don't see things that someone might see as an uncomfortable or challenging conversation. I don't see it as that way. Mm -hmm. Like my threshold for what is a challenging conversation, I think is a, like, I have a much higher threshold for pain. <laughs> that, that makes sense with where your Mercury sits. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then the other thing was your midheaven sign that I wanted to think about. And we have the same midheaven sign. So we both have it in Gemini. And the midheaven talks a lot about like what your career path would be. So with it being in Gemini, work for you feels best when it's varied. And it's not just like this routine thing every single day. Um, mm -hmm. And you also thrive with communication with others. Gemini is a sign of communication, chattiness. Um, on the flip side of it, it's also kind of like a chaotic idea, right? So like you might, and I get this a lot where I get like 20 ideas of like where I want to take Wabi Sabi Tarot. And I'm curious if that ever happens with you with Hello Hey. It's like, do you have a million ideas of where you want to take this? And how, how do you sort through what I want to table, what I want to like put on the back burner and what I want to go through or like go ahead with right now? Mm, I it is not a science for me at all. I think I, I don't feel overwhelmed by all of the different avenues that I could take Hello Hayes. Though I do see many different avenues. I think I try to focus on like, what are the few things that I can do right now that are working? So my TikTok is like the center of everything. 
aside from me, I'm the center of everything, but then like my TikTok is right there next to it. That is driving everything. So I know that no matter what, my attention needs to be there right now. I don't want my attention to be there forever because this is not sustainable. But like while I'm in this serious period of growth, my attention needs to remain there in the way that it is. I then think about like, if so, I think about me, Hayes, as the center of Hello Hayes, like what are all of the pieces and people can't see me, but I'm using my fist to, to show me at the center and then, you know, putting little dots all around to show all the little tentacles. I'm using the word tentacles often in this conversation, my goodness. Um, like what are all the, where are all the places that I want to show up? And you're right. Like I have so many ideas for where I want to show up, but I know that I can't do some of them without support. So like, do I want to start a podcast? Maybe. Do I want to write a Hello Hayes book? Maybe. I can't really do either. of the, I'm not going to do either of those things until I sign with an agent and get picked up by a network. Other people can totally produce their own podcasts, such as like, you're doing that for yourself. That's what I'm doing with my TikTok. I can't, there are only so many projects I can take on that I'm like self-funding. Mm -hmm. And right now it's this. So I sort of give myself permission to not even really think about those things until like, I know my next step is going to be to be signed by, I need to be, I need talent representation. I'm not, I'm not sure. We'll see, like, we'll see when that's going to happen, but I'm not even going to think about podcast or book until I have that support. Mm -hmm. um, but how do I know when to shelf things? Like I, my novel, for example, I originally wanted to like finish and sell my novel this year. That was my goal in the beginning of the year. That goal, I, I'm very comfortable now saying, I'm so glad that I finished my shitty first draft. It's spectacularly shitty. And if I die and anybody shows it to the world, I will like come down and, you know, smite that person from heaven because it's so bad. <laughs> um, I'm okay with shelving that so that I can follow this momentum. No one will read my novel if I don't have an audience to read it. So I'm okay putting it to the side now to focus on the other things that I love. And I think I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very comfortable with my goals changing. And I don't think I always was comfortable with that. People are like, oh, well, you say your goal is this, then you're going to change your mind. Yeah, I can change my mind as many times as I want to. And that I've, I'm allowing myself to be comfortable with that. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And I hear you. I think when I first started my own platforms, um, I was like, you have to be everywhere and do all of the things and you have to be on YouTube and you have to have a podcast and you have to post 30 times a day on TikTok. And it's just like not feasible as one human being without right. those supports. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. Super, super fucking random. But why do you not like your aura ring? <laughs> I felt like, I felt like, okay, this was also like three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. But I felt like when I used the aura ring, it gave me a lot of information, but no guidance on what to do with the information. Mm -hmm. So it it's not helpful for me for you to tell me that I slept poorly last night or that my heart rate is X if I don't know what to do with it. Like it's just more information. I'm already inundated with information every day. Now I've spoken with people who have said to me, oh, well, it's actually really good because it gives you your heart rate variability. And if you know your heart rate variability, then you know at different times of the day, then you know which times of the day are best for focus and which times of the day are best for exercise. 
I'm not going to do any of that. Like that's too much planning for me. Like, so it's just, it's overall just going to be a no for me, but I get that it's helpful and useful for other people. <laughs> for sure. I think that there's so many different uses for it. For like example, my daughter still doesn't sleep through the night. So like, if I've been up with her a lot, I will tell my husband, I'm like, Hey, my sleep score was like 40 last night. Uh, it's your turn. Okay. Well, that's genius. Like if I ever, if I ever have children, that will be the, I will get the aura ring just for that reason. Yes. It's fantastic. It works. Cause you have, oh, I see you're wearing it right now. You're wearing it right now. Yeah. And my husband's, I feel like, uh, go ahead. Signs. So it's just like, he wants data and I can give him that with the aura ring of like, why, why we need to do something different. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I know aura doesn't give you information like, uh, I feel like also with some of my obsessive tendencies, things mm-hmm. like aura, Fitbit, like I don't really, I could, I don't, I don't really want to put myself in any position to like obsessively be tracking my health. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if aura gives you any of that information. It does. But like, it absolutely does. And my obsessive self, like I wear an Apple watch and an aura ring and I love to see what the data looks like. I'm like, how many calories did I actually burn? Like, what is the average right. here? Which, you right. know, might right. not be the healthiest thing, but here I am. I already, I already like, I have my, I have to deal with my brain. Like my brain is triggering enough. I don't need other things thrown in my way. I totally get it. Okay. (laughs) Last thing before I go into five, like super random quick fire questions. Do you want to see what I see for the next year for you in terms of your astrology, especially for Hello Haze? Uh, yeah. What if you were like, no. And I'd be like, okay, cool. So how can people oh my god, I would never. That's like, of course, of course, of course. Okay, so I looked at what we call your solar return, and that tells me from your birthday of this year until your birthday of next year, and that's one of the things that we use in predictive astrology. Then we can get into lunar returns, but like that's that's a topic for another day. So from March of this year until March of next year, I think it's going to be huge changes for you and what your day to day looks like. I think like what you spend your day with in March of this year is gonna be so different from what it is in next year in like the best of ways. And I think that it's gonna be a lot of like fruition of like what you really are manifesting in your head to come true by next year. Also lots of luck in the second house, which is money and how you value yourself. So I think that you're gonna have a lot of growth this year in terms of like what opportunities, like I think when you're starting out, right? you want to say yes to every opportunity because like you're just like this is an opportunity and every opportunity means growth but you're going to come to realize the value of you and your voice and your platform and really only take on these opportunities that make sense to you and i think that will make the money like follow in this year like i think that's gonna be really big for you um and then the other place that i saw really big growth for you was in the 11th house and the 11th house is friendships as well as opportunity and dreams. So I think that you're going to be like doing so much like networking that you don't even realize is networking that brings you a lot more opportunity. Um, But the one thing that I would say I have some like warning for is be careful with partnerships that you make surrounding your business in this coming year. And you're already really good at listening to your gut, but just like really, really listen to what your gut instinct is when somebody suggests some kind of partnership with you because they may not have as good of a hope for you as you do for them. And I think that you're a good person and you want the best for like both parties involved. So just, just a bit of warning, but I think, I think you know this already, but this year is going to be so huge for you. And I think in a year from now, you're going to sit there being like, holy shit, what is my life? And how did I get here? Thank you so much. I'm having a emotional reaction and hearing you say all of this makes me cry because 
you know, I'm I'm working very hard and I'm very scared, <laughs> you know? I hear you. And it's just really, it's just really nice, really nice to hear that. And I'm really excited for next March to roll around and for us to look back and see, see what's happened. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share that and to think about it. Yeah. I mean, the success for you is literally in the stars. And I think this is going to be a really big one for you. Thank you so much. Okay. So last question before I ask you five super random ones, but how can people get in contact with you? How can they hear what you're putting out? How can they follow you? All the things. Mm. Okay. So you can follow me on TikTok at Hello Hayes. I make daily content there. Um, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which is hellohaze.substack.com. And that's where I publish my weekly long letters. If you'd like to send me one of those long letters, um, you can send them to my email address, which is Alexandra Hayes Robinson at protonmail.com. What's protonmail? It's an encrypted email service, which I saw that other advice columnists use. So I copied them. Um, because it's encrypted, I think it just means that it's like extra safe so that your information wouldn't get leaked somehow. Um, and I wanted people to feel super safe and private. Is that a necessary step? I don't know, but it's the step that I chose because I was copying other successful advice columnists. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at, at AF Hayes. And that, you know, I do lots of like behind the scenes content there. And that's the best way to send me short questions for my TikTok series, or if you just want to connect and like chat with me, that's the best place to do that. But I am, I'm trying really intentionally to be um, giving different things on the different platforms so that anywhere you go, you're getting a different experience and a different vantage point into my life and the work I'm trying to do. Love it. And then I will link all of this in the show notes, but you also have that, um, is there going to be like a link so that they can subscribe to your newsletter? Yes. That's the, if you okay. go to the Substack, the first thing, once you type it in your URL, hellohaze.substack.com, the first little window that'll pop up is a subscribe option. Beautiful. And I also saw that you had another thing that you're trying out with Cameo. Oh, okay. So the Cameo, this could truly be a terrible idea. <laughs> I get, so people ask me a lot will you just give me advice and not publish it? Or can I pay you to give me advice? And the answer to both of those things is no. I, out of principle, like I'm not a life coach. I'm not a therapist. I do this for the connection and for the storytelling. So people DM me and I respond to them all the time and don't use their stories for my platform for reasons that I am you know, allowed to choose. But if they say to me, hey, is, please don't, share this online. I don't give advice in that situation. Not because I'm judgmental or angry. It's just out of principle. And I have so many, I have so many people writing to me. I have to make a distinction. So the cameo is like for those people who want my advice, but don't want me to share it online. That's because I'm, un I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing like zoom sessions or I'm, mm -hmm. that doesn't feel authentic to me. Doing cameo feels like the most, the closest option that feels authentic and acceptable. So you can do that if you'd like to. Awesome. I will link it all. Uh, but you guys should absolutely follow her. You give such good advice, some, such good content. So, okay. Last five very quick questions. What is the most influential book you've read? Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. 
it's a book about writing and life. And uh, I, it's not on my desk right now because I was working in the other room actually, but I pretty much sit with it. It's pretty much next to me at all times when working because it just gives the best, the best advice ever. And always I can pick up any chapter, any page and feel more capable of doing what I need to do. Love it. What is a mantra or phrase that you keep coming back to for yourself? That's okay. That's okay. And it's funny because I find myself, like if I check my TikTok and someone left a mean comment or a video didn't do well that I thought would do well, I literally hear myself saying that to myself. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And I just kind of have been saying it to myself all the time. So that's okay. Love it. Um, what do you do when you have a bad day? Cry. <laughs> really though, I, I, I do cry. I'm a big crier. Um, and sometimes I just let myself like really cry and I'll go give Brian a huge hug and he'll just, you know, wrap me and I'll just like sob into his chest until I'm exhausted. And then I'll go for a walk without my phone and allow that to kind of rebirth me. Love it. I am also a huge crier. And I think it's something that I used to see as like a weakness, but like, it's not, it's not, it's really helpful. Like it, because once you really cry, you're then tired and you sort of, you, I really feel like it just kind of flushes it out. Absolutely. Um, what is your favorite beverage right now? Seltzer with a little bit of cranberry juice and a big squeeze of lime. Love it. And then the last one, what do you miss the most about New York? the spontaneity of it. I miss that so much. Just being able to walk outside and grab dinner at the new place that opened up down the block or meet my friends for what dinner in the West Village. I, I miss I miss the spontaneity of life there. I hear you. Are you in LA now or? Yeah, I'm in Santa Monica. Okay. Love it. So a little spontaneous, but not the same way as not the same, but it's I I love it here and I would not I don't think I would have done I don't think any of this would be happening if I had stayed in New York. I'm curious now if you are living on one of your astrological lines, and I'm going to check this later and let you know on that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Do I need to send you my address for that? No, no, no. Just the okay. city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I feel like I have such a good understanding of where this all came from, and I'm sure that a lot of people who follow you are going to feel the same way. I can't wait to share it with everybody. Thank you for the thoughtful questions and for doing all the work to look into my, what's the correct way to say it? To look into my chart? Your birth chart. Yep. My birth chart. Thank you for doing all of that work. I'm like so excited about it. And I appreciate this conversation, Jeanette. Alrighty, folks. There was that conversation with Alexandra. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. I have been really enjoying talking to people who are just doing their damn thing and following their dreams and doing work that they actually really care about. If you don't already follow her on social media, I will link her TikTok and her Instagram in the show notes. You should definitely go give her a follow, watch some of her videos. She gives really, really good advice. Next week's episode is going to be a little different. I'm actually chatting about what tarot is, what tarot isn't, and a little bit about my journey to discovering it, which does involve chatting a lot about pregnancy. So I promise it'll all make sense next week. This week's quote I'm going to leave you with is, you cannot protect yourself from sadness without protecting yourself from happiness. And that was a quote from Jonathan Saffron's foyer. 
I am probably butchering that name. I'm so sorry if you happen to be listening to that, which I doubt he is. But anyway, I want you all to think about the fact that we can't cushion ourselves from the bad without cushioning ourselves from the good. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love if you subscribed, share it with a friend, or left a review on Apple. These all really mean a lot to me. If you have any suggestions on podcast guests or topics that you want me to chat about, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Super open to feedback. Um, And last but not least, I hope you all have a beautiful, magical week, and please remember to look within. Thank you.